Welcome to the Aerospace Engineering Podcast. My name is Reiner Groh, Research Fellow of the Royal Academy of Engineering, and on this podcast I have conversations with aerospace pioneers about new technologies at the cutting edge of aerospace design and research. Special thanks go to my supporters on Patreon, who make this podcast possible. If you enjoy the Aerospace Engineering Podcast and would like to support it, then head over to patreon.com forward slash aerospace. There are multiple levels of support, but pledging even a dollar an episode is highly appreciated. Thanks for your support. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other things, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. 32 minutes past the hour. Liftoff on Apollo 11. Houston, uh... Today I'm speaking to Will Benton, who's the Venture and Ecosystem Director for the ATI Boeing Accelerator in London. The Aerospace Technology Institute is a UK organization that creates the technology strategy for the UK airspace sector and funds world-class research and development. The ATI recently launched a startup accelerator to accelerate the growth of new companies in Industry 4.0 and sustainability, with the aim of bolstering the growth and competitiveness of the UK aerospace industry. The program is designed to help startups establish commercial relationships with global aerospace companies such as Boeing and GKN Aerospace, and to raise follow-on funding and engage with the wider UK aerospace sector. Will's background is originally in the tech industry as a founder of Chu, a live streaming platform for DJs, as well as an angel investor and startup advisor for the Startup Accelerator Ignite. In this episode, Will and I speak about his career background and route into the aerospace industry, the goal and operational principle of the ATI Boeing Accelerator, some of the aerospace startups in the first cohort of the Accelerator, and Will's passion for entrepreneurship and STEM engagement. But now, without further ado, please enjoy my conversation with Will Benton. Will, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much for having me. So you're the Venture and Ecosystem Director for the ATI Boeing Accelerator. But before we get into into that role um, at the ATI Boeing Accelerator, I'd just like you to briefly chat about your background because your first career wasn't in the aerospace industry. So maybe take me back a couple of years um, and tell me about how you started your professional career and then how has that transitioned into the aerospace sector? Awesome. Yeah, so um, I did a, a pharmacology degree at King's College uh, back, uh, or I graduated in 2010. Um, and uh, in my final year of, of university, which was relatively practical, so quite a lot of lab time, um, started a, a blog uh, as you kind of generally tend to do when you're young, talking about the kind of things that you like doing because you think people will be interested in knowing about it. Absolutely. Um, and uh, through that, um, ended up getting an internship at a digital marketing agency around the time, a couple of months after graduating. Um, and I ended up doing that sort of thing within small agencies, bigger agencies and startups for three and a bit years after graduating. Um, and then at the tail end of 2013, um, started my own business um, with a friend at the time, um, which was a, a live streaming platform for DJs. So similar for us or similar to Facebook Live or Twitch, um, if anybody knows Twitch, um, but for music producers and content creators. 
Um, and then we went through a startup accelerator called Ignite, uh, raised some money, um, ended up kind of building a team, uh, scaling to 400 odd thousand users. Oh, wow. Acquired uh, our kind of closest international competitor based in the US. Mm-hmm. Um, did that for, again, three and a bit years. And then in the kind of halfway through 2017, as the company was being acquired, I ended up going back to Ignite. Um, as a program director. So having run a startup, joined a accelerator to help deliver or design and deliver accelerator programs for other startups. Um, and then I did that for, well, three years next March. Um, and then I've been working on the ATL Boeing Accelerator since, well, full time since we finished our previous Ignite program here since August. Mm-hmm. Um, and th- that's kind of I've started in the aerospace industry from then. So prior to August, I've had no kind of involvement or experience of, of aerospace at all. Right. So how did that transition come about? Was it just something some, something like an opportunity that just presented itself and then you, you wanted to grab it? Or was there a previous history where maybe you were inspired by something in the aerospace industry previously? So we, we as Ignite, tended for the ATI Boeing Accelerator before it was the ATI Boeing Accelerator. Um, and we've been working with the ATI and um, Boeing as the kind of the primary corporate sponsor since basically since the start of this year. Um, and as I've, I, I'm kind of hesitant to call it a career because it's been so chaotic and mm-hmm. unplanned. But since I've kind of developed over the last kind of 10, 10 or so years, I've become increasingly interested in doing stuff that is interesting, mm-hmm. um, but also having the opportunity to, to work on projects that could make a difference um, and I mean we'll talk about it but the the scope of innovation that a program like this can bring to a, an a industry like aerospace which is very traditional and mm-hmm. slow moving and um, lots of other kind of things that could be improved I was really excited about um, but it, it was a tender process we put a bid in and we ended up kind of being successful and, and winning the contract um, and it just so happened to be in a, a really interesting kind of uh, exciting environment like aerospace. Yeah, absolutely. So we've yeah. mentioned the accelerator a couple of times now. And so one acronym there is the ATI. Yeah. I've heard of the ATI before, the yeah. Aerospace Technology Institute. Yeah. But could you just uh, briefly explain what the ATI is, yeah. especially maybe for people that aren't in the UK or even in the in, in the sector? Sure. Uh, what is the ATI? So uh, ATI uh, is the UK's Aerospace Technology Institute, which is a part government funded body that sets out um, the kind of the digital strategy and the strategy more broadly for the UK civilian aerospace sector. Um, so it's a, a membership body kind of trade group that represents the interests of the sector and then works with government and the sector to kind of make sure everyone's doing the right thing Mm -hmm. every year. Um, They also sit on top of uh, quite a chunky grant budget. So I think it's in the region of about 150 million pounds a year where they work with um, companies in the sector and then startups and SMEs um, to drive innovation and kind of exciting entrepreneurial type things. Um, and uh, we, as I said, we started working with them at the start of this year to design this program, um, which is the first time it's kind of ever been done in the UK, depending on who you talk to, either in Europe or the world as well. Mm-hmm. So quite an exciting thing to be involved in. Um, and it's it's another kind of strand of their innovation kind of archive um, where they're working with even earlier stage companies to kind of really as a, a UK ecosystem in terms of aerospace help push that forward 
um, with some sponsorship and support from um, Boeing and GK and Aerospace. Yeah. So, I mean, I've, I've heard the term accelerator previously, yeah. especially from, you know, people that work in Silicon Valley. But I don't actually know exactly what it means. Well, what does an accelerator do? Yeah. And then precisely, um, why did the ATI team up with Boeing to create one? Why was it necessary to create one in the UK? Uh, so, uh, great question. Uh, an accelerator is uh, a kind of accelerated learning environment. Um, so our program is a 12-week program based in London, um, but open to companies internationally. And it takes companies from... Uh, so our program is a seed to Series A stage accelerator. So that means companies that are um, have raised some investment or, or are in the process of raising more investment. They have a product. They've got some traction. Um, they've got kind of uh, commercial um, relationships in place. And it's designed to help them um, scale their business over the course of the 12 weeks by working with our corporate sponsors, um, working with the ATI to kind of optimize the businesses and then help them grow bigger and faster. Um, and we do that with um, quite a lot of intensive mentoring. So bringing in aerospace experts, bringing in investors, um, all that kind of good stuff. And then we also do workshops and kind of webinars and sessions and kind of the educational side of the program, mm -hmm. which gives the, the teams more kind of access to things that they don't necessarily know or kind of don't know very well. And that can be anything from marketing to fundraising to accounting to legals. So kind of everything you'd need as an early stage business founder to know how to do what you're trying to do better. Yeah, trying to do better for the business, yeah. Exactly. Um, and then the ATI teamed up with Boeing and GK and Aerospace, um, I think about 18 months ago to kind of start pulling this together. Um, and the, the program has kind of two, um, I guess it's um, like kind of like a marketplace. So we're matching... Mm -hmm. Uh, startups that are creating innovative products. Um, this this program is fo focused around Industry 4.0 and sustainability. Other programs will probably have different themes. Um, but the program matches startups doing cool and innovative stuff in those two sectors with companies like Boeing and GKN. Um, and the, the corporates are providing a proof of concept budget, so the opportunity for paid pilot work with the startups. Um, and Boeing's Global VC fund Horizon X Ventures are also investing all of the, in all of the companies, mm -hmm. um, so it gives the companies access to commercial relationships and therefore more traction, more revenue, um, more kind of uh, good stuff. And then on the the corporate side, it gives them access to innovation and um, it's it's quicker and cheaper for them to do do that through a program like this than to try and do it internally or to build the businesses themselves. Right. Uh, so kind of a symbiotic relationship mm -hmm. over the course of 12 weeks where everyone gets value. Um, and then post-program, so after the 12 weeks, we help the startups try and raise investment if, if they want to raise investment. Um, and then we work with the corporates to figure out what we can do with the businesses that we got or with kind of future businesses mm -hmm. as well. So you've just mentioned it's a 12-week, so three-month yep. process. So I guess the term acceleration yep. probably applies relatively well. Now, um, you also mentioned before that the aerospace industry has historically tended to be relatively slow, yep. especially if you compare it to, let's say, the software or the electronic uh, electrical engineering sector. Um, so was there, do you need to kind of make a change the accelerator concept in a way to adapt it from software to hardware? Or 
can you basically just take the concept which seems to have worked so well to produce companies like Dropbox and Uber and just apply it directly to the aerospace sector? Um, I, I, we're, we're doing a bit both. Um, so the, the companies that we're working with over the course of the 12 weeks are all software kind of technology businesses. So we can still work with them as you would a kind of a traditional or um, kind of bog standard technology accelerator. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously the aerospace industry is, is slow moving and um, traditional for very good reasons. There's lots of regulation, there's lots of kind of safety, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so it's applying technology principles or principles that you kind of do day to day in tech to a, a kind of a, an industry that's ripe for disruption mm-hmm. while still being mindful and very much paying attention to the kind of the reasons that it's a slow moving industry. Um, so we're, we're working with with 10 tech businesses. They just happen to be building products either in aerospace or applicable to aerospace. Um, but on the kind of the sponsor side and with the the bigger established businesses that we're working with, it's also helping them to think and then operate slightly more startup. Mm-hmm. So instead of taking 50 years to kind of come up with your next product, let's try and do it as quickly as possible within the kind of the right mechanics and reasons so that you can kind of iterate and optimize as a startup would. Yeah. Um, and then apply that con- kind of concept and principles to how you do business yeah. um, so that you can do things more entrepreneurially yeah because that's good for everybody Mm -hmm. yeah i guess one of the main reasons probably for the relatively slow pace of evolution or innovation in aerospace is that people can die right exactly (laughs) we don't want people to die at all so um this is probably probably the biggest reason of why it's been relatively slow yeah but could you talk a little bit more about the symbiotic relationship between the companies and the uh so the sponsor companies and the actual startups that are then resident so are they actually resident in in the actual premises of the accelerator or do they have their own offices and then how do they interact with all of these great you know sponsor companies like boeing and gkn yeah so we we have a program office um in london um, based uh, on embankment um and we have space kind of co-working space for the startups to join us um they, they join us for the program content and then they have space if they want to kind of work from the office to try and build that that cohort effect, um, which having been through an accelerator myself is probably the most valuable thing that you get as part of being a member of mm-hmm. an accelerator program. It's kind of that camaraderie and access to startup founders going through the same things that you're going through at the same time. So um, trying to get them in the same place at the same time as often as possible. Um, and then kind of the, the symbiotic nature of the program is bringing in people from both Boeing and GKN and the ATI um, over the course of the 12 weeks as mentors, as session leads, as kind of experts um, or kind of domain specialists and doing that on a regular enough basis that instead of having a kind of a two to five year sales cycle as a startup, trying to find the right person within Boeing, for example, to talk about selling your product or then buying your product. Mm-hmm. You can do that in 12 weeks because you've met the person who's based in Seattle, for example, who is the buyer for your product globally within Boeing. So it's it's expediting all of that process in a shorter space as possible so that if the product needs optimizing or the business kind of needs rejigging in terms of anything it's doing, you can do that quickly rather than spending five years trying to sell it and then realizing no one wants to buy it. Yeah, yeah. Because that's that's no good for anyone, especially the startup team. Yeah, that makes absolute sense, especially because in the aerospace industry, it does seem to be OEM driven, yeah. right? So you've got Boeing, you've got Airbus, you've got 
now Comac in China, yeah. kind of developing. So yeah, it makes absolute sense that if you're a smaller startup company, you would you probably need to be selling your products to one of these two. If let's say GKN also in the in the defense sector, you want to be selling to them. Yeah. So um, yeah, it makes absolute sense to me to, to run it that way. Yeah, and, and so some of the uh, startups that we're bringing to the first cohort have come from other industries. So we've got some from automotive, um, one or two from oil and gas. And we've heard absolute horror stories of, of the founding teams of those businesses being on a three-year sales cycle. Mm-hmm. And as a startup with not a huge amount of kind of reserves or working capital, that's very risky. So trying to do what we can as, as the program team to reduce that to 12 weeks means you're, you've got a higher likelihood of the business or the startup business surviving. Mm-hmm. And then obviously, if that happens, you've got a higher likelihood of the, the corporate sponsor or the bigger established business being able to access some innovation from a company because the company's still there to, mm-hmm. to do it for them. So yeah. um, it's really a really exciting part of the kind of the program itself. And then my job is kind of watching that and building those relationships and then kind of seeing the good work that mm-hmm. comes from that. And you mentioned before so that the one of the, the, or the focus currently for this cohort is Industry 4.0 and I think sustainable development. Yep. So maybe explain what industry 4.0 is to begin with i think most people know what sustainable development is and then why have you chosen those two kind of focus strands and will that perhaps change going forward yeah so um industry 4.0 is the kind of the fourth industrial revolution so the digitization of the industrial process whether that's using robots artificial intelligence all that kind of cool stuff so bringing technology to the factory and the factory floor and um, improving the efficiency of that process. Um, and then our sustainable focus is anything from kind of new battery technologies and um, EV toll aircraft mm-hmm. through to um, improving the efficiency of a supply chain. So Boeing, for example, is the biggest manufacturing business globally. They've got huge supply chains all over the world. Mm-hmm. And so if you can make an efficiency improvement in in some small part of that you're actually making a huge kind of change globally um so we've got companies that can track parts using a kind of a bolt in an airplane wing for example from where the metal is mined through to where it's then ending up in plane Mm -hmm. which is really cool and obviously if you can do that you can figure out where you can make that process more sustainable and more efficient and cheaper because it's such a big process etc etc um and we we've kind of worked collectively as the program team but also with the the kind of the wider sponsorship group to come up with those kind of two focuses. Um, A, because it's areas where we know that the two sponsor businesses have interest. So there's the opportunity for the proof of concepts with the startups. Um, and then also from an investment point of view, it's areas where Boeing as an investor, as a co- kind of corporate VC fund, are actively looking to invest in companies. Mm-hmm. Um, so it fits those kind of two KPIs of the program of helping the company raise investment because Boeing are interested in those investment areas and then helping the startups on the program getting those proof of concepts because both sponsored businesses are looking at those kind of areas as well. Yeah. Um, and so using that kind of logic, um, we're already kind of looking at other themes that could fit for the second program. Um, so we're running two programs in 2020, one starting in January and then one starting in September. And the September program is probably going to be slightly different from mm-hmm. the kind of the themes that we've got for program one. Yeah. And so I guess you've just finished uh, interviewing for your first cohort in uh, November. Um, can you talk a little bit about what some of the companies are? Yep. What will they be doing? Where are they from? Any interesting details? Yeah. So um, we 
for various reasons, we were running quite a, I think adventurous is the best word to use, um, application cycle for the first program. So historically, we've done scouting for an accelerated program over the course of kind of three to six months, um, which is great because you've got lots of time to build relationships and find people that are interested in what you're doing, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but we turned around the first cohort for this program in six weeks, Oh wow! which was uh, an exciting time. Mm-hmm. Um, but we, we ended up having almost double the volume of applications we wanted, mm-hmm. which is an incredible kind of proof point for the program being a thing in general. But also we were really impressed with the, the caliber of the applications and also the, the geographical locations. So we had just under 300 applications from over what nearly 50 countries globally, um, which again is a real proof point that there is on the startup side the need for this sort of program and, and companies are looking for that sort of support. Um, we ended up interviewing 30 on the 15th of November mm-hmm. um, in a working day. So that was, oh, wow. that was fun. Um, and we've got 10 companies on the program starting in January. Um, eight of the 10 companies are UK businesses um, from Scotland, Northern Ireland, and then England. I don't think we've got any Welsh companies, unfortunately, but there's always next program. Yeah. Uh, one is from the US and one is from Portugal. Um, and they they are all doing very different things, but they're all at relatively the same stage in terms of kind of traction, whether that's revenue or just commercial relationships. Um, and we've got across the 10, we've got solutions um, in blockchain for supply chain, um, additive materials, which is something I'm really excited about, uh, workforce productivity and training, um, MRO, maintenance, repair and operations, uh, design tools, and then digital connected factory. So lots of really interesting areas of innovation that are now being kind of developed and then kind of put back into the industry um, from founding teams of two people all the way up to companies that have 30 people. Mm-hmm. So oh, wow. um, a nice big kind of variation in the size of the teams as well as the kind of the business focuses. Yeah. So you just mentioned additive manufacturing. Yeah. Why is that something that you're super excited about? Well, I think it's it's an area of real kind of academic research still. Um, but it's kind of at the the bleeding or cutting edge of, of science that's now being commercialized and brought back into industry. And I think as an opportunity to help academia commercialize research, that's an area that's definitely applicable to aerospace. Mm-hmm. So being able to use real kind of proper science, given my kind of scientific background, mm-hmm. um, and apply it to industry in a very kind of quick setting I think is really exciting and gives you lots of opportunities for designing whether that's new parts or at the end of the day a new plane Mm -hmm. I think is really cool Um, so we've met over the kind of the last six months lots of really interesting companies in the UK but also globally who are doing really really cool stuff with additive and kind of materials and um, the kind of thing that 10 years ago you wouldn't kind of be thinking of let alone it being a kind of a reality now so that's, I think that's just one of the areas that are where the kind of real innovation is is happening in the scientific community that's then being able to be commercialized to bring back into industry. Mm-hmm. Um, and just, just being able to kind of see that happen, I think, is, is a, a bit of a privilege. Yeah. Um, but all, all of the 10 companies, um, we've got um, a company called Anomalous who are based in um, Scotland, up in Edinburgh, who have built an AI model that for... Uh, Uh, aircraft maintenance engineer so currently aircraft are maintained by three people 
um, or aircraft parts, each part has to be inspected by three people because mm -hmm. of the rate of human error. All oh, right. So that's corrected by an individual. Mm -hmm. So you're tripling the workforce. And at the moment, that process is being done on paper. Mm -hmm. So you're examining, say, a kind of a turbine shaft um, three times, and you're documenting that process on paper three times. Right. And they built um, an AI model that can, from a photo, find a, a fault in the part, diagnose what the fault could be, and then provide that information back to the engineer in a kind of an app wrapper mm -hmm. so that you can do it with one person and you can do it in half or kind of more time saving. Yeah, definitely massive productivity um, improvement. Exactly. So it's it's a sustainable improvement. It's a kind of a time improvement. Um, it's using tech for something that's actually quite useful. Um, and they're kind of two aerospace engineers and, and designers. So it's, it's a team of two. Um, but they've already got commercial relationships with companies like Rolls-Royce. They've won some really cool competitions. Um, and it's it's tech doing things kind of better, Yeah, which I think is, is always what tech should be doing rather than just something because it can be done. Mm -hmm. um, we've got a company called um, Circular, who are one of the English companies, um, which is providing traceability across supply chain. So that thing I was talking about earlier in terms of tracking a bolt from being mined in a mine somewhere in Africa through to being in an airplane in France, um, that's that's really cool. Um, and it, again, is using relatively new or innovative technology, so kind of building that on top of the blockchain. Um, and again, that's a, that's a really great founding team. Um, and then we've got kind of really weird and wonderful stuff. So a design tool called Gravity Sketch, which is um, from a design point of view is, again, software that's really cool and is making the design process of designing. It's being applied into aerospace, but you can use it to design anything. Is, again, really kind of exciting to see that then being looked at by a company like Boeing or GKM. Mm -hmm. um, but that, that's three of them. We'll, we've got another seven, but we'll be here all day if we yeah. can talk through them. No, that's, that's really fascinating. What I find really interesting about the Edinburgh-based company that yeah. you mentioned is that when we started the conversation, we were talking about safety and how safety seems to be making the aerospace industry slow to adapt to changes or yeah. more conservative. And in this case, we have new technology that not only causes innovation and more productivity, but probably also makes the whole process safer. Yeah. Because at some point the AI algorithm will be better at image recognition than the humans are. Than the than the three humans are yeah. in actually inspecting the part. Yeah. So I think this is that is a perfect example of how this assumption of oh airspace is slow because it has to be safe doesn't always have to be that doesn't always have to be the case yeah so definitely. i think that is a that is a superb example yeah and i think it, that comes back to kind of using technology for the right purpose rather than just using it because you can mm -hmm. and i think in in the previous accelerator programs that i've worked with or mentored on there's a lot of kind of technology that's been built just because it's, it's possible rather than because there's real value or a real reason. But I think the, the really interesting thing, again, from a personal point of view with the companies that we're going to be working with in, in January is that it's all proper businesses and proper kind of technological applications that have real value yeah. in an industry that really does need that innovation. Um, so it's it's... I've said exciting a lot, but it definitely is exciting. Yeah, yeah. So, so now you've, you've, you've got your first cohort and let's say there's a young company listening or a group of founders listening, at what stage do they have to be to be able to apply to the accelerator? What are the kind of minimum requirements that are, that are needed to have a shot at, at uh, getting into the accelerator? So uh, the program's open to companies anywhere in the world. 
Um, the 12 week um, course, let's call it a course, is based in London. Um, so they need to have the ability to be in London for the 12 weeks. Because if you if you can't come to the, the program itself, then we're not going to be able to give you the value that you need. Mm -hmm. um, we generally tend to look for companies that have a product with some kind of traction. And ideally, um, that's commercial traction. So proof of concepts or contracts in place with a, a, a client. Um, and we, we look for companies at that stage because it means that they're then mature enough as a startup. So this still can be a two-person business, but they're mature, mature enough as a startup um, to be able to work with a company like Boeing or GKN Aerospace because um, unless you have kind of specific parameters in place to get to that maturity, it's just it's not going to happen no. um, because as, as we've kind of said earlier, the, the aerospace industry is slow moving and kind of traditional for very good reasons. So putting untested kind of brand new technology into Boeing software, for example, is not going to be a good idea. Um, and otherwise, there's a product that's defensible. So it's it's able to be protected, whether that's with patents or with um, a good kind of IP structure. Um, and it has to be innovative. So real kind of innovation, whether that's from academic academic R&D or whether it's just from experience. Um, and then personally, from the program team's point of view, we look for good personalities and a, a good, strong founding team that are looking for support. Um, there's no point coming to an accelerator program if you don't need the, or don't think you need the support yeah. um, and aren't willing to kind of listen to a mentor and take that feedback on board. Mm -hmm. um, but that that's it. Um, so we, we, we're currently focusing on companies at that stage, but we do office hours. So open office hour time with the whole program team a couple of times a month. Um, and you can book book in a slot to talk through anything startup related. It doesn't necessarily have to be aerospace. Mm -hmm. um, and you can book that through the, the website, atiboeingaccelerator.com. Um, and that's a half hour conversation with myself, Gabby, our program director, or Senya, our program associate. Mm -hmm. Um, and as I said, that can be anything entrepreneurial related. Um, and we also have quite a good relationship with other accelerators, both earlier stage and later stage than where we currently operate. Mm -hmm. So if a company comes to us and they're too early or too late, um, we don't ever reject flat kind of outright. It's always, um, we can't work with you. And these are the reasons why here's the people that we think we can introduce you to that add value. Right. Um, so it doesn't hurt to kind of get in touch and have that kind of initial conversation because we will always try and help where we can. Yeah, and I'll be definitely putting the ATI Boeing Accelerator webpage URL in the show notes. Thank you. Um, so switching gears a little bit about entrepreneurship in general, I know you are very passionate about the topic of entrepreneurship overall yep. and inspiring kind of the younger generation to consider the entrepreneurial pathway as a, as a career choice, if you may call it that. Um, so. What are some of um, maybe your tips or your ideas about taking maybe that leap mm -hmm. uh, of turning an idea that you have, turning that into a company, turning that into reality? I think it's a really uh, kind of culturally, it's a really interesting inflection point where we are at the moment, because even kind of four or five years ago when I started my first business, the setup process was a bit more convoluted than it is now. Um, and the interesting thing with the kind of the democratization of the internet and everything that brings these days is that you can test an idea without spending any money 
and get it in front of potentially kind of hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people without having to write a line of code. So you, you don't necessarily have to be a, a computer scientist to kind of set up a web page and put that in front of people to test whether people engage positively or, or negatively, for that matter, with, with what you think is potentially a business. Um, and I think I ended up making the, the leap because um, I, I was fired from my job mm. um, because I was spending too much time working on the things that were interesting rather than what I should have been doing or what I was being paid to do. So I made the leap because I had the time and, and had the interest. Um, but I think the, the thing I would most kind of strongly suggest to do before you actually do make that decision is, is talk to potential customers. Talk to people that at the end of the day would be the people buying your product to kind of um, see whether there is sufficient interest to make that jump. Um, and for potential consumer businesses, there's a really good book. And also for kind of business to business businesses as well, there's a really good book by an author called Rob Fitzpatrick called The Mum Test. Mm -hmm. So I would strongly suggest everyone reads that before they even think about quitting their job to start a business. Um, and then the other thing I think we're as a country getting better at, but still pretty shocking at, is um, kind of computer literacy mm -hmm. all the way from kind of school age. Um, and as I say, we're, we're getting better, but there's there's still a lot of work that could be done in STEM from primary school or secondary school through to kind of the higher education levels. Um, and the thing I've really noticed um, while we've been scouting for this first program is the kind of the discrepancy in, in gender and to some extent race in aerospace. It's a very kind of white male dominated industry. And mm -hmm. I think there's a lot of work that we can do collectively to improve that. And the more diversity we have in the individuals, the more diversity in thought and more diversity in innovation we'll see. Um, so really exciting to be doing some stuff next year to improve our um, gender ratios. Mm -hmm. It's luckily for the first program, it's 30% female founders in our 10 businesses. Well, that's definitely better good. than the base rate. Yeah. Um, but I think being pleased about 30% is still pretty pathetic. Yeah. So there's a lot of work that, that we'll be doing as a program team and then also just more generally with the aerospace ecosystem. Um, and it's an area Gabby's very passionate as a, about as well. So looking forward to kind of seeing what we can do there. Um, and again, I think that's that's just culturally we have to get better. Um, and until we do, we're we're not going to see the the value that that will bring. Yeah, and on the, on the diversity um, issue, the, my fund of the Royal Academy of Engineering They've um, they've been trying, or they they they're succeeding in trying to address kind of this image that we have in our head about what does it mean to be an engineer. Yeah, and I, I and I find sometimes that the first assumption is that engineers are you know hard hat wearing um, professionals on building sites. Yeah, but the engineering profession is much more diverse than that in itself, mm -hmm. ranging from textile engineering you know, in the fashion industry, all the way to the hard hat wearing civil engineer. Yeah. So there is this breadth and uh, yeah, of, of uh, possible career paths. And if we don't really change those basic assumptions about what it means to be an engineer, it will be difficult to, um, yeah, make it more diverse. Yeah. And, and make people aware of the opportunity. Um, and I think that's, it's been nice to see that change starting to be talked about. Um, and we're, we're still having to talk about it, so we're still not actually being able to do a huge amount about it. But the fact that we're now starting to talk about it, I think, is a good sign. Mm -hmm. And hopefully the more people that talk about it and are aware, 
the better the opportunity to to change it yeah yeah and in terms of of skills so there's always a discussion at the university can you actually teach entrepreneurship so you said that you did a, a placement um at during your i think it was during your studies yep. at a marketing agency yep. so before even taking that first leap um, of becoming an entrepreneur or trying something, setting up a company. Is there anything that you can do to develop skills before, let's say, you you even fit, you leave university or before you quit your job? Are there certain skills that you can develop to help? Yeah, I think there's the the primary thing or the primary skill I've learned in the last 10 years is is networking. So the more people that you know, who know you and know what you're up to and vice versa, the more likelihood you have of being connected to someone that can help when you need help. So I think there's there's a, a huge amount of entrepreneurial activity happening across the UK and globally, whether that's startup meetups or um, entrepreneurial societies at university and all that kind of stuff. Um, and startups being kind of startups, they're, they're always in need of a helping hand so there's always the opportunity to find a company that you like the look of and are interested in learning more about to just contact them and see whether you can help um but i, th I think it's a, it's a case of just um getting out there and talking to people and um i've been relatively fortunate in the sense of i've talked about what i'm doing and talked about that online and then have built a network of people that have similar interests or passions that have Kind of grown with me as i've been through this kind of career journey um, and that's that's definitely helped whether that's as a support structure when things go wrong or times get tough or whether that's someone to share the kind of the positives with mm -hmm. having that network is really really helpful um and I, I think it's just a case of looking at that there's lots of startup literature there's lots of entrepreneurial literature um that's all great and it's good to have an understanding of some of the theories but until you actually get out and put that into practice for you it is just theory. Yeah. Um, so it's until you start putting that into reality that things can um, start happening for you. And mm -hmm. that's definitely my experience. It was it was great to kind of think about it and talk about it, but nothing happened until I did something about it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's it's the the leap that's a bit intimidating, but until you make the leap, you're always just kind of thinking about what could be rather mm -hmm. than what is. Yeah. Well, Will, I really appreciate your your time today. It's been absolutely fascinating. Before we sign off, just tell our listeners again, where can they find maybe you or find the ATI Boring Accelerator online? What's the best way to get in touch? So ATI Boring Accelerator um, is atiboringaccelerator.com, a relatively self-descriptive uh, URL. Um, my email address is wb at atiboringaccelerator.com, so feel free to send me an email. Um, I'm also on LinkedIn and uh, Twitter, and my Twitter handle is at Fat Kid on Fire, which is also the name of my record label. If anyone wants to check that out, um, and I'm I'm kind of on LinkedIn, email, and Twitter almost every day, so that's probably the best place to start. Great. Well, thanks for having the conversation. Thanks for having me. If you would like to learn more about the ATI Boeing Accelerator, then head over to AirspaceEngineeringBlog.com/podcast where you'll find show notes about everything we discussed in today's episode. And if you enjoy the Aerospace Engineering Podcast, then there are a number of ways you can support it. You can leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you're tuning in. You can share on social media with your friends and family, or you can support the podcast directly on Patreon. And with that, thank you very much for listening and talk to you next time.